are so close. In fact, some of you may expecting, be expecting this to be a Christmas Eve service, but we're not there yet. This morning is Advent 4, and in a few hours, we will begin to gather again and celebrate Christmas together. This morning offers us a unique opportunity in the wide lens to focus on a few concepts as we anticipate our family and choral Eucharist services into the night. Our focus this morning is on the concept of house and promise, and we will consider implications for us today from our Old Testament narrative, particularly. House. When you think of the word house, you likely think of where you are returning, or depending on your age and routine, maybe your grandparents' house or a vacation house on the lake, a place of fun, security, space, a dwelling alone and together, a place of belonging. We heard of David's desire to build a house for God, a place for God to dwell after all the wandering and all the tents. This is not the first time David has wanted to do this. In 1 Kings chapter 5, David asks to build a house for God and is told he cannot because he is a warrior. This time, when David makes plans to build a house for God, the outcome is God making covenant with David to give David a house, a security, a future. This is the linear connection to Christmas, Jesus from the house of David. Considering time and timing as we take in this narrative is helpful. We took in last week the centuries between prophecy and fulfillment, Isaiah, Malachi, and John the Baptist coming to make way for the Lord. And today we further see things moving along as the angel visits Mary, announcing the news that she will carry and give birth to our Lord Jesus. And let us remember the tie-in between Mary, Elizabeth, and Zechariah, and how John the Baptist and Jesus are related, possibly cousins. There are cosmic truths becoming concrete in the context of family relationships. This may also connect with us to the concept of house, community, belonging. The people of God in the time of Mary, Elizabeth, and Zechariah have been waiting actively for centuries for promise to be fulfilled. They have been looking forward to it. As we consider our Old Testament passage, promise is also prevalent and connected to content and timing. There is a phrase, Deuteronomistic history. Try saying that three times fast. It's kind of like the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomistic history. This refers to the narratives of the book of the Bible, Joshua, Judges, 1 and 2 Samuel, and 1 and 2 Kings, being written after the fact as a single work centuries later. King David ruled and reigned in the 10th century BC. As Deuteronomistic history is considered, the writing is placed for these books of the Bible during the Babylonian exile, which began in the late 6th century BC, 400 years after David's reign. This does not mean that the stories of these books were not being passed down generation to generation already. People were telling the story, but the actual writing of these books came later. Where Mary and the people of God are looking forward to promise being fulfilled, in our Old Testament reading, as we consider date and authorship, as they were in exile, they were looking back at promise as they hoped for fulfillment. 
Really same promise, different context. They were exiled and trying to cope and work it out and exist in their current oppressive circumstance and understand where God was in it. Looking forward, looking back. For both, hope hangs on promise. As we take in these narratives, we see looking forward, hope fosters anticipation. And looking back, hope fosters a remembering that provides a hope that weathers adversity. This informs us today as we consider Jesus coming to us. For us, we look back and we look forward. Jesus has already come and promise has been fulfilled, but Jesus will return and the kingdom of God will become fully manifest. This may stir thoughtful reflection. Additionally, the content of this second Samuel reading may challenge us as we soon come upon baby Jesus. David and Nathan are two competent individuals committed to their faith, one a king, one a prophet. The opening verses explain to us that the promise to Abraham has finally been fulfilled, the promised land. David as king and the people have occupied the land and there is freedom from all enemies. These two experienced, competent people interact and they decide it is a promising idea for David to build a house for God. With peace in the land, David was not a warrior at the time and the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham had come. After they talk and decide what to do, God comes to Nathan to provide a bit of correction. And notice in this narrative, Nathan does not come to God. God comes to Nathan. These two people, David and Nathan, who are, have broad experience, great faith, great commitment to God, and great desire to serve God, as they considered what God would want, they set a trajectory and made a plan. God intervenes because it was not God's plan. Both the king and the prophet have misjudged what God has in mind. Eugene Bay, in his essay on this passage, articulates the king and the prophet discover that they are in the presence of one, God, who confounds human expectations and surprises even the faithful, or especially the faithful, who presume to know how God is acting because it is the way God must act. We can easily do that as we look back on promise fulfilled or forward to the culmination of promise. How often are we like that, individually, corporately, as the people of God seeking to please God? We might make a decision and consider what God would want just like they did, and just like they did, march off confidently in the wrong direction. That could have happened with the incarnation. For those who expected the Messiah, the King, of David's lineage who would reign for all eternity, that this king would come to us as a baby. God and expectations, God and plans. As we think of orienting in these two passages, looking forward and looking back, we might consider how God is moving ahead of us, and we might consider how God is acting in ways that may catch us by surprise. Bay offers a few pertinent questions for our reflection. What are our assumptions about what will be pleasing in God's sight? What are the ways by which we seek to enshrine or confine God? Should we not exercise more reticence before linking God's purposes with our agendas? 
Christmas is fun and meaningful to remember as we consider baby Jesus and the animals and the shepherds, but it is also a time where God moved ahead of people in ways that were so outside the box and so surprising. Advent, this coming of God, is about new things. We need to be wary of our familiarity, of thinking only in the same old ways. May we receive and welcome baby Jesus with anticipation, as Mary did. May we make plans in community, as David and Nathan did, but also, as they did, be open to God's correction or nudging, and be willing to welcome something completely different than we had in mind. <laughs>